With a bad foot pumped up Because statistics are the best The bad foot pumped up Because you don't need footwear to bet Welcome back to the Barefoot Punter. I'm your host as always, The Mug, your co-host, The Logical One. We take our inspiration from the Barefoot Investor, but instead of giving you investment advice, we're here to give you a bit of betting advice on the AFL and NRL 2021 season. And it's a big welcome back to The Logical One. Thanks, Mark. Very exciting episode. Well, not so exciting because we haven't got a lot of games to talk about in the NRL and the AFL this week. But we've got a very special guest. I think we're going to go with him termed as the modeler. He's a very, very intelligent man, a mathematician. Um, Let's welcome him in. Uh, Welcome to the show, the modeler. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. First time caller, long time listener. (laughs) Good to finally be amongst it all. Just as a bit of of background, we'll get a bit more onto it later on, but, but... just so we know, what did you study and uh, what's your background? Yeah, so back at uni, well, a long time ago now, it was, it was maths and stats, and that's sort of where the sporting interest got started. There were footy ticket comps there, and I was trying to find a, an edge as much as I could, you know, using stats. And then sort of from there on, I got a job in, in finance, um, banking, and sort of still was plugging away in the background of my sports models and had a few sort of average racing models and then um yeah from there sort of a job at Sportsback came up 12 years ago now I think and um in the quants team there well it wasn't a quants team I sort of kicked off the quants team there um 12 years ago so it's um yeah been building a lot of uh AFL models as, as you'd know logical and you know a lot of horse racing and and uh league and uh soccer models they're sort of the, the main ones that I've had to deal with over the years but yeah, so it's been a bit of a journey to get here. Yeah, he's built he's built some brilliant models that I can I can attest for over the years, and that's just going to lead into my first rant for the week. And as you oh. know, I've had a bit of a I've had a bit of a bugbear around Jack Zeeble and his many cheap possessions that he's getting kicking out from fullback. We're back on Zeeble watch, and and I saw this for those listeners. There was a tweet and a social media post on the weekend from Channel 7, and some people asked me, why am I so worried about these player stats being included when they run out of the goal square? And this is the exact reason. Jack Zeebel has been put up as All-Australian because, oh. let's get there, he's had 27 disposals average, elite. He's had 22.4 kicks, elite. He's had 547 metres gained, elite. The only thing I can give him is the 7.2 intercepts, which is elite, but that's because he's a bounty one. He's the biggest cheat in the game. And <laughs> and I would love, I'd love someone to be able to come and tell me how many, all those stats, geniuses out there, Paul, the, the modeler here, anyone, how many metres gains is he getting from his kickouts from fullback? And how many one-on-one contests has he won this year on average? Because I'm very dubious, and this 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 made me vomit. This I got sent this by the king, and it's it's just it's sickening that he's been put up for all Australian, and that's my exact reason that I uh, I just don't like this being included in the stats. Well, that sounds like a new segment in itself, Logical's rant, or uh, or it's just an update of Zebel Watch. He's uh, he's not happy about Zebel, that's for sure. Um, very good. Well. Um, 
Logic, we had a fair bit of uh, we had a fair bit of footy uh, over the weekend to consume and some really good stuff. The emergence of the bombers, uh, they're looking great. We had the Snorefest uh, at the MCG. Frio and Carlton found another way to disappoint their fans uh, over the weekend, and um, and and I think I have to finally concede that Melbourne are the real deal, mate. I think I'm on board. Yeah, the demons were very impressive again. They had they had a sort of. I think we said the loft they had, they, or one of them friends said that that was a loft they needed to have last week. And now that win against the Dogs was much better than them beating Adelaide and losing the Dogs because there was a real, like an eight-pointer. They would have been net worse off on the ladder. So losing to Adelaide, beating the Dogs, and if they can they can come up and beat Brisbane this weekend, then they're in a really good position for the, for the minor premiership. Yeah, which uh, you tipped up um, about well, maybe six, six, seven weeks ago now to uh, for Melbourne to be potentially zero and ten. Well, they're not, or well, ten and zero, I should say. They're not ten and zero, but they're nine and one, and um, and puts them in a really solid spot to get that minor. Uh, logical. I don't normally like to do this, but I'm going to put a line through someone's premiership hopes, and um, and that's West Coast. They um, they might finish in the eight, but. Um, I just cannot, and I'm not normally one to um, to say that someone can't win it at this time of the year because there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. But um, I've just been looking at their draw, looking at their current situation. I just cannot see them making the top four, and um, and and I, and I don't see West Coast winning it from outside the top four. So I'll put a line through them for their premiership. That's, that's uh, a very very brave move there, Mark. You're just potting it. 22 to one shot for the flag. Um, <laughs> well, everyone well, rush well, out there and, and back that dollar four shot because uh, the mug says it can't happen. It can't happen. Well, there's, pl- there's plenty of people that will say that certain teams can't win at certain points of the year and they might get out to 20 to one and then all of a sudden they're, they're back in and uh, and flying, but uh, I just can't see it with West Coast this year. So that's one that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm casting to the side. We better channeling, see channeling your inner David King and see if he can reverse mock it. And really no, I, I won't. That's one thing I won't do. I won't reverse. Um, <laughs> one uh, one person we do need to say hello to is a big welcome to the program to the Pope. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Pre-production meeting leading. I've never seen anything like it. Preparation going in. Everyone's aware of the burden on their shoulders this weekend. Lockdown. Entertainment budget goes into betting. The onus is on us this week, and I think we know it. So really looking forward to this show, Mark. Yeah, very good, mate. And yeah, we are, um, we're all on Zoom tonight. So the sound might not be quite as good as what it normally is. And um, and my voice is a bit croaky uh, as well. I, I haven't got COVID, I don't think. Um, I'm starting to think that COVID could never be as bad as anything you pick up from these childcare centres anyway. Um, but, um, but, but struggling, struggling a little bit. Boys, can we talk some bad beats? What did we see out there over the weekend, Logical? Well, I don't think I've even I need to double in here because I think you've got a list as long as your arm. So I think we 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 go straight back to you, Mug. Well, I do have a few. I tell you what, um, there's been a few totals uh, this year, logical um, that have looked absolutely flying at half time, and uh, and then have just got eroded away. That was definitely one on uh, on Friday night. That totals, I think, we were flying at over a hundred points at half time, and. Uh, and then the breaks just went on. So don't know if it was a bad beat, but it was pretty uh, pretty bad watching, that's for sure. 
I reckon you could feel a little bit stiff if you're a Cats linebacker. That that line got into about 18 and a half, and it looked for all money, Cats are going to cover that game for most of that game. And then just right at the death, the Pies find a way to uh, to kick a couple of late ones. You could say exactly the same thing about the St Kilda North Melbourne game. Looked for all money that the Saints were going to walk all over North Melbourne, and then somehow late North Melbourne fan found a way to cover that one. And uh, geez, you'd be spit. Oh, absolutely. That, that was that was a nasty one. For me, I was uh, pretty decent on the Blues, so I felt a bit aggrieved about Harry McKay's kicking in the last quarter. Um, had three goes at it and couldn't get one of them. Uh, felt a bit stiff on that one. And, um, geez, Frio, I don't know if it was a bad beat, but, geez, they just gave him – it was a horrible watch if you're backing on Frio on, on that particular game. And um, I think it was the, the final straw was probably that one where Mundy – had a look over his shoulder, realised the free kick had gone to five and thought, oh, I'll save the captain here and I'll have a snap myself. And he missed and then went down the other end and all that sort of stuff. And and logical, just we're doing the props betting this year and just on the SGMs, um, we don't really talk too much about the SGMs, but um, we missed three SGMs by not a, not a leg, by a disposal on the weekend. So uh, there was three of them that we missed by a disposal. We looked like we were going pretty well on Friday night uh, and then Langdon just disappeared uh, for the last quarter. Um, I know they said he got sub late in the game, but he was off well before then. And this probably summed it up uh, for, the, uh, for the weekend for the SGMs. In the last game, we needed Wilson to get 15 disposals. Now, I'm not saying he was, he was not on track to get this number, but I thought this was just symbolic of, of the weekend. With about 10 minutes to go, uh, Tom Jonas absolutely flogged him out on the uh, out on the back flank, caught him across the head, and um, that should have been a free kick, which would have been one more of the disposals that we need. And then, of course, he was so badly uh, knocked about, he had to go off, spent another four minutes off the ground, and then came on with about three minutes to go. So we missed out on that one as well. So that was the bad beats for the weekend. Benny, uh, Pope, what did we see in the uh, NRL? Well, something a bit niche for you this week, Mug. We didn't touch on it last week, but we had the extraordinary circumstances that we had a dollar dollar one favourite in the NRL last week. So Penrith were a dollar one, 37.5 point line. If you're a punter looking for a bit of value in that match, it wasn't that easy to find, but one place you could find it was Penrith to win to nil. So that was paying about $4.55 around the place. So Bulldogs to score zero points. Penrith have done it three times this year. Bulldogs have scored 0.3 times. So pretty attractive option. Planets were aligning. Bulldogs didn't really look like scoring most of the day. Penrith led 30-0, 78th minute. Bulldogs score a cheap one to go over and get one try for the day. So if you're $5, bit of value in that game, Bulldogs score zero points, and you chin in the last two minutes. Pretty bad. But really, yeah, that, that, that is really a professional outfit, those Penrith boys, aren't they? They are. They are. <laughs> that is that is that is a that is a nasty beat. And Benny, just while we're uh, Pope, just while we're on the um, NRL, those two teams. I know we've spoken about them nearly every week, but Penrith and Storm, and uh, and our boy um, Nico Hines. Geez, um, he's just putting extra dollars on his contract uh, every single week. Well, this is um, unscripted, but late breaking news tonight too. That he's signed with Cronulla for the next three years, so leaving really Melbourne. So. News breakers tonight, as well as potting childcare centres, we've got all bases covered on, on the show this evening. <laughs> oh, well, 
I'm really happy for the young kid because I, I did watch that special with uh, Matty Johns and he, he seems like a ripping young fella and he had, he's had a pretty tough go as a young kid. So, uh, oh, that's magical for him that he's, I'm no doubt he's gone on a big contract there. So, well, that, well done to him. Yeah, now, um, I know we've just covered the bad beats, and, 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 but there was one, uh, you were seeing him pretty well on the weekend, Margot. I was, I was having, having a few beers on Saturday night and I wasn't, wasn't in my sharpest state of mind, but the mug was all over it. And he, he said, I reckon the Bombers live here at halftime are a very good bet. He was all over it. Um, they're a big price. They're $7.58 at the time. Uh, and he liked them and then they just came all over the top of the Eagles. So he was seeing them well. Yeah, thanks, mate. I was um, I was into a bit more there. Too. I, I, I had some forty plus, some twenty five, some fifteen and a half, and um, I, I was just uh, I was pretty keen on the bombers on the weekend, and not keen on the West Coast, as you can probably tell from what I said before. So, um, very good. Uh, all right, boys, we might get into uh, into the show. Let's um, let's have a chat to the modeler. All right, for those of you out there, um, just for a little bit more context uh, on what the modeler looks at, he he, he builds models that um, uh, derive prices for um, betting companies to put on site. But also, he's also not happy just with that. And he goes off and he builds models to punt on. And that's what we're interested in here. And he's built an NRL model recently. I've used his AFL model in the past. I know he's built some successful racing models. But his NRL model this year is completely flying. Um, or last time it updated it was, uh, how's it looking at the moment? Yeah, it's actually last round, well, last game of last round, it actually, um, yeah, came good. It, it, um, it liked the Knights. It had them reasonably short, something like the $2.50 mark, and I think they opened up about $3.70 was the price I got. And then and then once Ponga came out, they drifted out to something like $5. And... I think uh, someone from from the Eagles went out at the same time, and so the model didn't really budge on the night's price. So it really, really um, fancied them at the price and, and had a good win there. So um, yeah, I track I track my my model sort of when teams come out on a Tuesday, and then obviously with the closing uh, teams and the closing lines as well. So um, typically the opening lines will go better as just because there's not as much information in the market at that stage. So, um, but what's sort of happened lately is, um, yeah, we've seen some uh, prices on the, the teams that I've liked really drift. So the Knights this weekend, I think the weekend before when the Broncos beat the Roosters, I think it was, they might have opened up about $8, but they got out to something like $15 or something I saw at the start. So it's the actual, the, the, the closing prices are actually performing a bit better at the moment. So I'm a closing margin to date is 35% for the year and then opening is, is, is right on 30%. So it's pretty unprecedented to be sort of at this point in the season and have those margins. But, uh, yeah, you know, long may it continue. So 30% profit on turnover opening, 35% profit on turnover closing. Yeah. And then I know you've also been tracking, which is amazing, that's huge, um, and handicaps as well. You've got them, you've been monitoring how it goes on handicaps as well. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. So handicaps uh, are barely breaking even. And the reason for that is um, I think we spoke about this logical when when we chatted the other day, that it's it's basically it's not it's not putting Melbourne every week, but it has it doesn't rate them as short as the market rates them. So as far as backing the head to head goes, like if, if you're getting six, seven, eight dollars about whoever Melbourne's playing, you don't have to outlay too much on them. But on the line, it's it's sort of I, I follow what's called a Kelly criteria, which tells you how much to 
bet given your price and the market's price. And so on a line, it might suggest quite a bit on, you know, whoever Melbourne's playing at the line, but on the on the head to head, it doesn't sort of throw out that much. So on, on the head on the line, it's it's barely breaking even for the year. And and I've just run some numbers now and a lot large part of that is is just from backing you know Melbourne's opponents, and and they just keep covering Melbourne. So it's it's you know if yeah, it's a it's a unique situation where you've got Melbourne and Penrith covering every single week. I'm surprised that it's even breaking even because I wouldn't have thought that the models, you know, like going to be liking those teams that much because those handicaps have been enormous. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting actually. I actually rated um, Penrith uh, near enough 35 points last week, and that's I've, I've went through the archives, and that's the biggest price. You know my my model that ever rated a team. It tends to be reasonably conservative, but but to see them, yeah, rated where the market was, that that actually surprised me a bit. And just for the, the listeners, what are the key inputs that that driving this model? Like just like how are you get, getting this model to be smarter than the market? What what's going into there, and and what are the important factors? Yeah, so it's it's um it's reasonably simple as far as models go. So I originally started out doing. Uh, what I call like a team-based model, where where my team ratings would only um, go up and down based on the results of games and what would happen, you know, with uh, you know with leagues, say when Origin comes around and players are missing, or with AFL, we had it where you know in the last round of the season, um, teams are just dropping, uh, you know, half their squad if they were assured their position in the finals. And I just sort of I knew there had to be a better way, so I sort of started looking at it at a at a player level and. The most obvious sort of metrics to me that encapsulated play performance with the sort of publicly available fantasy statistics out there. So you've got things like Supercoach and player ratings for AFL and Supercoach and the NRL's own um, fantasy score that they use for fantasy. So what I do is sort of just draw a trend line through each player and try and predict uh, what his fantasy score is going to be. Uh, next week based on all these previous scores. It's kind of like a weighted rolling average where his most recent game carries the most weighting. Um, and then once you have a um once you have a uh, all your um you know player infos for all your players that are picked in a squad, you kind of roll it up to a, a team level. You might weight it by certain positions and that um once that's run through a model um you get uh you get a head-to-head price. Oh, sorry, I should add too. There's there's obviously um, I've got a home ground advantage factor added in there. So what I what I do there is I um, I run a model uh, completely ignoring home ground advantage and then seeing where teams at certain grounds over and un- underperform based on that model. And then from there you can sort of work out how many points or, or how much how much rating you give to certain teams at certain grounds. So it's it's effectively just uh, player ratings derived from um, Fantasy statistics, if you like, and then and then home ground advantage overlaid over the top of that. And it's it's, it's a little bit more complex than um, Dicko's. This guy's carrying the nut, um, and um, <laughs> it's actually looking at what, what play is important on the on the field and and their and their ratings. Exactly, yeah. So so um, yeah, with with uh, league for an example. So um, what I found with the rate the weightings that I give to each position, guys like your centers and your wingers like having them score well uh you know really impacts the potential performance in your fullbacks it's kind of obvious like your, your backs and your, your spines you know the better they're doing the, the better your model's going to like that team's chances in a, in a given week what's what's the difference um i'm assuming you've ran this model for the last few years or is this a new model that you've created this year 
And what's been the or what's been the difference if it is an ongoing model that you've just tinkered with, you know, over the years? What's the difference this year? Why is it going so well this year? Yeah, it's interesting. There's, it's it sort of tends to perform, say, you know, roughly the ten percent mark year on year. I think last year it sort of broke even, but I'll put that down a bit to you know the the uh, COVID factor and home ground advantage sort of probably not playing as big a part as it used to. I tried to adjust for that, but there's only sort of so much you can do with a small sample of data. Um, yeah, to be honest, there's not been a, a lot different. There's just a couple of really minor tweaks to, to how I um, sort of weight things. And, um, you know, year on year, I'll, I'll add last year's, the previous year's data to my model and, and sort of get a new set of uh, weightings for everything. But there's not been a, a, a huge um, difference this year. I, I would say this year is probably, and you could, you could sort of, you know, make an argument that given that head-to-head is performing well and lines breaking even, it's probably, you know, there's been a few lucky results in there. So it could be down to that. Um, or, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's just one of those things where some years you, you just sort of start doing a bit better and you might see it sort of go back to regress to the mean, if you like, you know, by the end of the year. And I'm always interested uh, in the psyche of modellers um, in terms of when the model is throwing something up that, if you're just backing yourself, that you wouldn't go and do that. I mean, are you overlaying a personal uh, flair or a personal um, sort of intuition or, or um, intellect to what's being thrown up, or are you, will you just have complete faith in your model and just go and back your model no matter what it throws up? Yeah, I tend to. I tend to try and um, overlay a bit of sort of personal. Uh, intuition if you like 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 i mentioned before how it, it's potted storm at the price all year it sort of got to the point where i know that something in the fantasy stats just isn't being uh captured by how well storm's performing so i've sort of made a sort of a blanket call so until storm's price starts to get more in line with the market to just sort of leave them alone or leave their opponents alone more to the point um yeah um and if if something's you know a, you know way outside what the market is, I'll, I'll tend to be a bit more conservative with my betting that it, that it might sort of suggest if I was to follow it blindly. Yeah, I, I tend to, um, uh, you know, I have the foresight that my model's not going to be, you know, if my model say 10 points different to the market, there's, there's something that my model's not picking up that the market obviously has. Yeah. And uh, you're obviously uh, killing it at the moment. Um, is there fear of regression uh, in your model that you're sort of looking at going, okay, well, I've done 10% most years. I'm flying at 30 plus percent. I'm midway through the season. Am I going to end up at 10%? Like, is that a fear for a modeler? Is that something that you think about? Or, uh, yeah, where's your, yes. mind, where's your mindset at now mid- midway through the year? If you, if, you know, if I was to put my sort of, uh, you know, logical hat on to, to, Use a phrase, I guess. I'd, I'd expect it to go from ten percent on from here till the end of the year, just because yep. that's how it's gone previously. Um, yeah, but there's always a, a I guess, a, a psychological fear in the back of your head that it is going to drop off a cliff at any point, and, and you know, and you know, maybe not even hit that ten percent by the end of the year. And I found, you know, this time of year with with Origin and, and players coming in and out and being rested after Origin and those kind of things, it's it's harder to. Um, I guess get a more accurate price because the players that are coming in, they're either playing out of position or they're only seeing limited minutes coming into the game. So there's only so much you can sort of uh, pick up from them from a from a you know from a, a fantasy perspective, if you like, to to derive your ratings. So you kind of have to um, 
yeah, I, I tend to expect a bit of drop-off at this time of year, um, you know, just given that the massive plays in and outs that tend to be happening. So with that, with that in mind, that segue in probably what I was going to ask you, Paul, the, say the Penrith game this week where you've got multiple players missing for, for Penrith, how does the model handle it? I, I know there's other models that have probably struggled in the past with these sort of games and you sort of touched on there and that intuition you spoke about, do you overlay more of that? in games like you have this week with Penrith West? Yeah, it's interesting. I just ran it before we started today and it's actually tipping up Tigers as a as a favourite. So I, I was surprised that, that was the case. And then I sort of started looking at the outs and Penrith are missing, what, six or seven players to origin. I think Tigers might be missing one, is it? Um, so it's it's hard to, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's small sample sizes when you start looking at things like that. You know, it's pretty rare that a, that a side will lose half their squad you know, from one week to the next. Um, so it's, it's again, I, I, I'd probably, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, my model's got it's something like uh, Tigers by three or four points, I think I like them by. And I'm not going to, you know, go out and back them like crazy. I'll, I'll probably have a, you know, a nibble at them, but I wouldn't back them as though, um, yeah, it was, it was gospel, I guess. I, I still like to overlay a bit of intuition, especially, you know, in these kind of, kind of scenarios where, where I do know that it's, you know, Due to players playing out of position or a lot of players coming in and out. And second one was probably back to the start. You mentioned the Newcastle Manly game. So, how do you handle an instance where Ponga, who would be pretty significant, he's missing for Newcastle? What? How does that work with your model operationally? Like, is it a plug out, take Ponga out, and plug someone else in and see what the price fits out? Is is it as simple as that, or is it more complicated? No, it's pretty much that. Yeah. So I, you know, hopefully the NRL side updates, uh, you know, with players. Missing, and I tend to follow news articles as to you know who's meant to be replacing say Ponga, and and just key them in and and see how it goes. It's 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 yeah the way this model works, it's it's literally plug and play. If you have a, a new player that's lined up to take Ponga's spot, you just plug them in and and see what price the model spits out. The uh the, the biggest discussion point out of last year's I'm sorry last week's podcast, even my father was asking me about it was the Tommy Turbo Dragojevic. <laughs> Line move in or out. Um, I would love to know. I don't know whether it's a question without notice, but I'd love to know him or in or out your, of your model. Do you know how much that would move the line? Uh, I'd have to go away and plug it in, but I've got him. So I've obviously have a you know a list of players and their expectations, and I've got him about fourth or fifth in the league at the moment. It's interesting. I've got I think five of the top seven are all fullbacks. Um, yeah, so I don't have him uh, as um, probably my number one fullback, but he's he'd, he'd be worth, I'd say, about four points with my model going in and out, just just off the top of my head, I'd imagine. Yeah, and um, and Modler, are you um, are you doing uh, other game like other sports as well, or are you just focusing on on the NRL? And I guess for the budding modelers out there, do you think that that is a real Thing that you can do, or do you think you do need to be specific and, and really follow and channel into one sport? Um, yeah, so I was up till the start of last year running AFL concurrently with NRL, um, but it sort of got to the point. So you talk about, well, I talk about where the model is potting, it has been potting storm sort of at the price this year. It was the AFL model up till when I sort of stopped updating it, it was potting. Was putting Richmond of all teams every week. Like it, it still thought they were favourites, but they were they were you know nowhere near the price I was getting them. And I was sort of digging into the stats I was using, and and you know of, of all the fantasy stats that I did use, none of them 
um, you know, uh, in isolation, rated Richmond that well. And I sort of thought, well, there's got to be a, a different way to, to handle this. So I've kind of put AFL on the back burner um, at the moment till I can sort of think of a, a way to, to sort of counteract um, teams outperforming, you know, what they're, what they're expect they're sort of outperforming some of their parts, if you like. Yeah, you can understand that with Richmond. They're a very unique team in that they don't use yeah. disposals. And, and uh, We've actually spoken about that before, Logical, about the the models not rating Richmond over the years and being able to get a better price closer to the jump. Yeah, yeah. The, the style of play not, doesn't lend itself to being rated highly in a model. And the one other model that's been quite successful for you is also the, the soccer futures model. So you're not looking at the week-to-week, but you, you plug in some soccer data. And can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. So I've got on uh, up on my Twitter, I basically the only thing I put up there now is um, – Week on week with the Premier League, I'll update the the futures uh, odds um, for for a bunch of different markets. So it's not just to win, but it's say to, to finish top two, top four, which is Champions League, finishing the top half. You know, chance to get relegated, chance to um, finish on the bottom. And then uh, a few bookies have what's what's uh, called a handicap bet, where where each team at the start of the year is given a points handicap to try and um, Bring everyone on a level playing field, and they, um, you know, the odds tend to be roughly the same for all those teams. And so I factored that in as well. And what I've um, started looking at is is not just backing, say, one market in isolation, but looking at how to back multiple markets. Where if you've got a team um, that you have as value for the title, they're probably going to be value for all your other markets as well, your top twos and your top fours and top tens. And it's sort of how to, yeah, how to spread your bets out and. Um, uh, you know, to, to most efficiently sort of maximise um, the profit you're likely to see at the end of the year, given all those different markets are, uh, you know, correlated and, and happening at the same time. And, and just for, on that model, you're using some some team ratings and then simulating out the rest of the season. That's correct, yeah. So so it's um, a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of uh, people who are coming into um, sort of model team Based model approaches use a method called an ELO rating, where um, you know after a match, if a player, if a team performs better than expectation, their rating will go up, and you know vice versa. If they perform worse than expectation, their their rating goes down. And so the way my simulation works is it will um, start uh, a season with with the ratings of teams carried over from previous years with teams that are promoted. It sort of gives them a rating as a function of the the points they finished on in in the division below, and with those ratings, I'll simulate simulate out um, uh, their chance of, of every match and every um, uh, uh, margin of victory, if you like. Um, and once once you have once you sort of start simulating matches, you can carry that throughout the rest of the season and update teams' ratings, you know, within your simulations throughout the rest of the season. Um, and you know, as uh, you know, simulations happen. You, you can build up what the what the final ladder is going to look like, and and that's sort of how I price up all those different markets I was speaking to earlier. I don't know if you've been able to have time to have a look at Origin yet, Paul. But if you have, who do you favour? And second part of the question: Is there any difference between who you favoured at the MCG compared to who you'd favour with the match now in Townsville? Yeah, good good question. So actually, I guess I um. Uh, 
uh, lucky side effect of going for a, a player-based model is for things like Origin, I can just plug the players that are selected in there. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've just run it not long before we came in here, and it actually likes um, New South Wales a bit more than the than the odds that are out there. I think I had them at $1.45 before margin, which I think is about six and a half maybe. Um, and that's that's uh, up in Townsville. So, yeah, I'd... I'd um, yeah, I've just given Queensland like a normal, if you like, home ground advantage as though they were playing at some court. I can't see it being any more favourable to New South Wales. You know, slightly smaller crowd, obviously, but probably probably more hostile up there, I'd say, um, the further you go away from the border. Um, yeah, so, you know, in Melbourne, I'd near enough give it a, a, a neutral rating. I don't really have a, a reason to give, you know, either side any sort of home ground advantage down here. Um, yeah, so definitely, definitely a... a I'm going to advantage to be had playing up in Townsville, yeah. Definite bet for listeners based on how the model's been performing and significantly different in the market currently. So, yeah, worth getting involved for listeners there. I should add too that 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 price I had was um, so I've just gone off the, the squads that were named, and that's with, with um, Ponga named at fullback. So I don't, you've probably got more mail than I do, Pope. But um, yeah, if if he comes out, I'd imagine my, the model's price for Queensland would drift um, even more. So, so I'm, I'm yeah, I think that. New South price is, is pretty decent at this this point in time. I don't know how much of that Ponga news is baked into the into the odds, but yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's how I'm seeing it. And that aligned with the uh, your view last week. I think we were asking you about it, Pope. So the two of you aligned. Sounds like it sounds like a great bet. Yeah, and um, as Paul sort of touched on this, there's a bit of movement around potential players of Queensland, so going out. So that might be the time now to get on New South Wales um, as well. Okay, great. And just before we finish off there, Modler, can you just run us through this weekend or this week in the NRL? What's what's the model putting up? Yeah, let me just fire it up. So the first game, uh, St George Brisbane of near oh no, actually it actually doesn't mind uh, doesn't mind the dragons. So I've got them about nine and a half. I don't have the uh, the market line in front of me, but six, the model's making them about a nine and a half. Six and a half point favourites, yep. Yep, just in front of the market there. Uh, yeah, so as I mentioned before, Tigers it really likes them. It's actually got them a five-point favourite over Penrith. Um, massive caveat with the um, with the uh, players, you know, missing for Penrith. Obviously, it's a player-based model, but it's sort of an edge case scenario where you don't see that kind of thing too often. Um, Melbourne Gold Coast, so we've got that. I think the market's got that 22, and I've got... Uh, Melbourne about a 14-point favourite. So still favourite, as I mentioned, but it's, yeah, all year the, the market hasn't rated Melbourne. Uh, the model hasn't rated Melbourne as well as the market. And then the, the final game, Newcastle, Para, I've got that right on the market. I've got that, um, I've got, uh, what have I got there? Four, 4.40 Newcastle and $1.30 Para. So, um, yeah, near enough where the, where the market's rating Para there. Okay, that's, that's really insightful. I know myself, I've, I've got a lot out of that. So thanks a lot for joining us today and, um, you know, let's keep in touch and, and hopefully we might get you on the show a bit later on in the year. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Been a been a pleasure here. All right, Logical, are you ready to do some games? Let's do it. All righty. Well, the first one we're going to speak about is uh, Essendon taking on Richmond. And this one, importantly to note, is over at Optus Stadium. And thank you for the AFL membership team for sending me my discounted tickets today. I really appreciated that. Um, so we've got Essendon versus Richmond. 
Uh, we've got this one here, logical. The line is sitting at 13 and a half. The head to head is 280 and Richmond $1.44. What are you seeing here? Neutral venue, Optus Stadium. Very intrigued to see what sort of size crowd they get because all the other neutral games have not been getting big crowds at all. But they've been talking this one up a lot. I do hope they get a big crowd here. Would there be a lens to anyone in the crowd? I would think if anything, small to Essendon just because they'd like an underdog, but probably a pretty neutral crowd. Uh, in terms of prices, Bombers are flying. Richmond back in form. They get Edwards back this week, I think, potentially. It's, I just, I'd like to be on Essendon, but I couldn't make him a, a bet at that price. And so I'm just uh, shouldering arms. Yeah, I, I probably uh, I probably favour Essendon uh, pre-teams, but they might have uh, Edwards come back into that team, which I think is going to sort of get to where the market is. So I, I, I don't really have probably just because of the letdown factor, I probably lean the Tigers, but um, but it's pretty close to what I have it. So I, I can't uh, see us having a bet. One thing I know you've been, this is a question without um, notice here, Logical. One thing I know you've been really big on over this is the Yukon medal. Are we going to see anything about Yukon uh, over the weekend? Yeah, I'd, I'd say with the four games currently only priced up, potentially only six games to bet on, that's when you start looking more at these, some of these other things. So Yukon medal will be on the radar. So stay tuned for that on the mailbag.com.au. Excellent. Looking forward to that, as always. Uh, the next game uh, that we're going to talk about, mate, is uh, we're going to go over to Sunday and um, we're going up to the, the SCG. It's, it's very... It feels very strange to be saying these ground names when the when when the different teams are not the home teams. SCG Carlton hosting West Coast. We've got Carlton here, dollar eighty four. West Coast two dollars, and uh, well, that's a pick. Yeah, I think the line dollar um, uh, one and a half or or, or thereabouts. But uh, virtually the pick. What do you see here? I think we both didn't like West Coast last week and they've lost another couple of players. Right. They lose Kelly and Oscar Allen. They've got no grunt in their midfield. That's my main concern at the moment. We know that they've got good forwards. They're not like they're okay down back, but they're grunt in the midfield. They've just they're you know, Yo's only second game back, which is probably going to struggle. And then they've sort of got Redden and Gaff and Sheed and these outside sort of players. It's, they're a very weak side. It's saying that. Carlton, again, were very disappointing, but they do have better in the mids. I, when I first saw that price, I just thought it's an overreaction to the and, and West Coast should be big favourites, but it's sort of more I think about it, the more I've, I've, I've come around to Carlton. I've not come around enough for a bet, but I've, it's probably just made it so I'm not going to have a bet now. Yeah, uh, I, I'm... I'm a bit the same as you. I definitely lean Carlton here. And uh, the other one that Carlton potentially get back logical is Fisher. And uh, and Fisher, he adds another dimension to them, I think. He's, he's an, I don't know if the, maybe the Carlton people understand how important he is, but I'm not sure outside of that, uh, the rest of the punters know how much of an important player he is. And um, if he's back, um, Jack Martin, another run under the belt. And then out the other side, you got Kelly and Oscar Allen out. Um, I could only be on Carlton, and uh, I'll probably, I'll probably just try and have a little tickle at uh, at Carlton um, either today or, or tomorrow. Um, nothing huge, but uh, but I'll be with Carlton here. And then the last game that we want to go to is um, Fremantle at their home stadium this time on Sunday. Optus Stadium hosting the Dogs. 
Dogs coming off a disappointing um, effort, I guess, to, to Melbourne. We've got Fremantle here, $3.18. Doggies, $1.36. So pretty short in enemy territory. Line sitting at 18 and a half. What do you got here? Yeah, I've actually found one here. Uh, I think, as you know, Freo were okay on the weekend. They just couldn't really convert. And they've been going quite well. They get back to Optus. They get Tabner back. They get Lowe back. Dogs coming off a loss. I think they, they, they obviously will be fired up. But they're travelling traveling over the Western. I didn't make this line nearly as big no. as what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keen on Freo here and we'll be betting on them. Yeah, mate, I, I, you know, sound like a broker and echo. I mean, I'm exactly the same. I couldn't get that line anywhere near that number, um, especially with Tabner coming back. Dogs are actually running into a pretty nasty little schedule here. Dogs are going Fremantle, down to G- GMHBA, all things going well, and then back to Optus Stadium. So be interesting to see how all that plays out. But, um, but yeah, mate, I, I'm, I'm with you. Got to be with Freo on the line here. Um, <laughs> they, they do concern me, Freo, because... Uh, they do find a way to stuff things up, get forward of the ball, but um, but yeah, that's a big line, and uh, I think you got to uh, you got to have a little dabble. So consensus bet there for the boys, which is uh, yeah, and Tabner will help that. Um, yeah, up up forward, um, and your man Darcy continued to go right on the weekend. Yeah, it was good, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, very good, mate. All right, well, um, just wanted to yeah, and the, just at the time of recording, the two other games that they're not locked in, so we've just dodged them tonight. Um, We'll wait to see how things play out, but hopefully they can get all six games done. Good shout, mate. Well, uh, great to chat uh, some AFL. Now let's chat some NRL with the Pope. All right, NRL round 13, and we've got only four games this week before Origin next week, which we won't go into too too much depth this week, but we'll go into that next week. But we've already touched on uh, both, both the modeler and the Pope like uh, New South Wales, but we'll go more into this and more of the exotics next week and review them with more depth for the sides. Round, uh, the first game of the round, Thursday night at uh, Net Strata Jubilee Stadium. That's a mouthful. We've got St George, six and a half point favourites at $1.45 and the Broncos at two seventy five. What are you seeing here, Pope? Love, love the Dragons, logical one. So teams named this afternoon there. Surprisingly, got a really strong team. They've sort of been injury depleted for a number of weeks and their performances have shown. I think they won one out of the last six. And the team's name today has been really strong. We've got Dusty back, Ravalawa back. Um, I think another forward's back there as well. So all of a sudden they look full strength. And Broncos only missing one player of significance for origin, but he's he's probably their barometer paint Haas. Um, that's a big loss for them. So love the Dragons here at minus six and a half. And I think this is going to move as the week goes on. We're probably going to be dropping something early for the mailbag to be on this as soon as possible. That's that's good. And you've normally won out on a on a Tuesday night on the Barefoot Panther, but this week you've got the modeler as well, and he was agreeing with that as well. So that's good to see that you've lined up on the first game. The second game of the weekend uh, that you want to chat about, that's, that's also... Uh, I mean, sorry, that's not also. That's on Friday night at uh, 7.55 at Leichhardt Oval, and that's the West Tigers versus Penrith. And Penrith, uh, as we talked about, they got a lot of outs here, and they're six-point favourites, $1.50 favourites against West Tigers at 2.60. This is probably a traditional strong team loses a lot of players for origin, which haven't probably seen too much lately in recent years with Broncos not having such a 
strong origin contingent. Um, Storm are probably the other team that we see a bit of in recent times. But Penrith are missing five players through six players through origin, and their team reflects that to some extent. However, it's still a first-grade team, so there's a lot of players in that team that would be getting first-grade games at any other club when they're not. Their they're starting 13 still looks strong to me, and I'm going to disagree with the modeler here. I'm, I'm favouring Penrith. Um, again, as the modeler touched on, it's tricky to get a real read on when you've got so much player movement, but I do look at that team and still think it's a pretty strong first-grade team. They are going to like up the spiritual home of West Tigers, but their record at their suburban home grounds, Campbelltown and Leichhardt this year is none from three, so... It doesn't quite stack up that home ground advantage for them. I like Penrith here at the five and a half. That again, that six is pretty key. That number of six in league, and it's sort of building with five and a half. And I do like Penrith at that number, logical one. Well, if, if you look at the way the Storm have been going this year with their players out, they've just been keeping on keeping on. It's been more the structures of the team and one in, one out the way they go. Do you feel like Penrith could be a little bit similar to that? I do, especially their backline. They haven't lost. A lot, and that's not easy to say when you got Cleary, Luai, um, Yo out for Origin, but especially Cleary's the main one there. But they, they plug Burton in, who was on the cusp of Origin. He goes in the halves. They get a player coming back, Dylan Edwards. It's still a really strong backline, and I think they have too much for the West. So it's on an upward spike. They have improved in recent weeks, but strong, strong club culturally, and I just think they. The, the pillars of how they perform well, strong defence still remain the same. And I do think it's still a pretty good team on paper. So, yeah, I do like them. And the last game of the round is uh, on Saturday night at Sunshine Coast Stadium. We've got the Storm 22.5-point favourites, ten versus Gold Coast. They're coming off, I think, nine straight covers now, the Storm. What are you thinking here, Pope? I can't go against them. They're actually probably the least less affected team of the two for origin. So Queensland, sorry, Titans lose Fafida, Brimson and Fuzialami. And Melbourne have been playing without Munster, Pappenhausen, Grant for a few weeks. So they're structurally, they're, they know how to play with those guys. They haven't really had them for last month and they've all been named for Queensland. So I think they know how to play without their guys. And Gold Coast, who we, we liked them last week and they were horrendous and they're losing their probably the three best players out of that team. I just I just can't see them competing. Whether 22, 22 is enough, I don't think it is again. Like these these good teams in these matches just seem to they get momentum going their way that these lines around the twenties aren't enough and I'm I'm happy to side on the minus here. Okay. It's it's uh I feel very comfortable being on a Melbourne Storm at minus at the moment. So I'm happy with that. And just to finish off, Benny, probably my favorite topic at the moment on the NRL is it's two things, one one leads into the other. Um, send bins and send offs and uh, and total points. How did they go on the weekend and, and what are your thoughts where that's heading? Are they are they easing off on that the, the crackdown or is it is it it's sticking fat? It's been a big week for the crackdown logical one. We're talking player coups trying to oust PVL now. So the the script has really flipped on on PVL, but there is inconsistency there now. So with the crackdown, it was probably predicted that how do they get out of this predicament if you can't they probably didn't want a situation where they're continuously sim being 15 players a week so how do you get away from that and it probably leads in this inconsistent approach where what was a sim bin two weeks ago now isn't and it's and it's in that 
it's in that grey area as well. And obviously you've got your showpiece coming up in eight days and there's some concern about how that's refereed. But there there is some angst around. Players, there's been some players coming up pretty strongly in radio interviews last week denouncing the crackdown and the fact it's not an enjoyable game to play at the moment. So there's some real problems with the crackdown and the edict. That's the, yeah, they're in a, that that real predicament. It's the, uh, it's a bit like round three of the AFL season when they've introduced a rule, new rule at the start of the season and they start to really taper off on the the the, the, um, the harshness on it. Um, and also, like, so how many, what was the under and over total points on the weekend in terms of unders versus overs? Bit of regression in the main. Five went over, three under. So um, some of them were big numbers, so they didn't, didn't miss by much. But... Games in for 50, 50 and a half, 49 and a half, 50 and a half, with 46, 48 that went under and won the Manly Newcastle game that we talked about with the modeler that went well under was the only one, but five and three. Okay, excellent work. So that's been a big show for us today. Uh, next week, we'll have Origin coming up, which we'll be digging deeper into some of the exotics as we spoke about. Uh, it was great for Mug to turn up with the, uh, with the cold. And, the, and we had the muzzler here too, which was excellent stuff. We want to sign us off. Gamble responsibly. More importantly, gamble to win.